Welcome to Blind Shovel, an arts and music podcast. Today we get to hear the sweet voice of J.E. Sundy, a singer-songwriter from Minneapolis who creates beautiful indie music and also just has a very kind soul. Enjoy. Michael. How are you? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. Where are you at right now? I'm in, let's see, I'm in St. Paul. So you're in St. Paul? I am at the moment, yep. Minneapolis? What is, what is, where is that? It's part of the Twin Cities. So basically, Minneapolis, St. Paul are just a single metro area. I live in Minneapolis, but I'm over in St. Paul at the moment. They're, uh, yeah, basically one city. Oh, have you never lived in LA, Los Angeles? I've never lived in LA, no. No. Oh, I don't know why I thought you did. Well, our paths crossing there were, yeah, just me visiting. I'm try- I try to do with some regularity. What are your experiences with Los Angeles? How do you feel about Los Angeles? Um, because I grew up in this kind of real green, um, deciduous kind of place, I think, I think it's, it always takes me a little bit to like map onto the kind of desert environment, the beauty of the desert environment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as one thing about LA, it it takes me a minute to kind of realize like, Oh, there's beautiful things here just because it looks so different than kind of some of my like natural environment that I'm more used to. Um, yeah. also, it's just kind of a weird city. <laughs> you know, it extends, it extends, it kind of sprawls out. Um, and so, so some like, it's not the, I wouldn't say it's the most like resonant in those ways, like for me as a, as a town, but, but like most places for me, people are more important than place in the hierarchy of things. And there's just a ton of great folks um, that I, yeah, yeah, that are there. And I think as like a, as a place, um, for like music and art making, it's kind of, a, it's a unique nexus of like just incredible, you know, density of talented folks. And then also just like an, the industry that kind of utilizes those skills is just kind of so, so centered, you know, that as do a you feel, make art, yeah. it's you a feel comfortable in that setting, you know, because part of when I listen to your music is there's like an outsider quality to it specifically mm. and i don't know if it's rural or christian or something like that so it's interesting to consider how that would feel entering into la and i think of james taylor songs mm. at times when thinking of that trope sure yeah i think i don't know i feel pretty comfortable at this point i think i think i've resolved i mean i do i do appreciate a certain kind of general attitude in art making where you're a bit of an observer you know 
Mm-hmm. Um, and with that kind of feeling comfortable with a certain, like, um, not fully like recognizing you're not fully integrated into, um, a place perhaps, um, in a certain sense, but I don't know. I, so I guess, I guess like maintaining some of that and being comfortable with that kind of posture, I, I feel, I feel pretty good about, I think the, the, um, more so than any of like, you know, my, my, per, like, I think I've kind of come to terms with aspects of my own like ideology or kind of background that like, I think some of that sometimes if you're from a place of like fearfulness or a fear of judgment or something like that, or you judging other people can keep you on the outside. Mm -hmm. I mean, I would like to think that I've gotten to a place, um, where like those kind of concerns of like judgment on my part or fear of judgment from somebody else, you know, keeping me like insecure about a certain, I, like recognizing you're not fully a part of the whatever community you're in isn't mm-hmm. dictating my kind of relationship to stuff and art making um as opposed to kind of just a healthy like man it's fun to like get a glimpse into people's worlds and get to share that and then kind of communicate a perspective on that you know artistically mm-hmm. yeah so you're not afraid of being who you are in a sense at this point I, I, I hope so. I mean, I'm sure there's, you know, room to grow there, um, still, but I, I can say with confidence that like compared to other parts in my, other times in my life, I certainly have, I'm certainly less afraid than I once was. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. And how is, I mean, in terms of recognition versus obscurity, where do you feel you're at? Where do you feel you should be? Do you care? You know, I just interviewed Dory and like Dory's pretty content to be Dory and making his work and mm-hmm. let the world catch up when they can, if they ever will. Right. And, but I think everyone has different views on that. And I would assume, you know, being from Wisconsin, that's correct, right? Yeah. Yeah. And then making the decision to go to LA meant that you at the very least wanted some more, I don't know. I assume there's some careerism behind that, not in a bad way, but sure. like, you know, want to take it more seriously. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, I, that's kind of an evolving conversation. I would say where I'm at now, I'm 38, you know, Mm -hmm. is a lot different than kind of where I was when I was 28, you know, or 25, you know, trying to do this. I would say it's never my own ambitions around that have never have been are present, but have never been like totally articulated to myself, you know, for a long time when I was making music when I was younger, there was just a general sense of like, to be successful means, I guess the world knows you, <laughs> you know? Right. It's like right. this like vague sense of the whole world has to know us somehow. So I mm-hmm. guess, what does that mean? I guess we got a tour constantly and I don't know. And I think more and more like the, the scope of that, um, has narrowed for sure. Um, uh, in terms of like, well, one that was never a very realistic, (laughs) you know, strategy. Um, uh, and two, I think it was just like, yeah, I think there was a lot of just a kind of, most of my career strategy, uh, my strategic attitude towards career of any kind artistically has just, has often been shaped by a pretty, uh, like, I don't know, looking at, you know, 
a kind of aesthetic view of how it was like, I don't know, people in rock and roll live, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and I certainly have grown in more like, I think practical sense of how one could theoretically build a career in music. Um, and, and with that, my like scope has narrowed. Um, and, but also I would say most recently for me, um, kind of coming out of the pandemic and stuff, um, just kind of getting back to things and, and trying to start out like, how much do I want to tour as a part of, um, what I do, um, and doing a little touring and enjoying it, but it also being pretty stressful and then being like, is this just the fruit of, you know, kind of the, the residue of like being isolated for two years and then suddenly doing this thing and the continued complications of COVID with travel, or is mm -hmm. it like reflecting a larger sense of like, I don't know that this, I don't know if like touring is as much a part of what I want my future to be. Um, anyway, I'm in the negotiation around that, but as a part of that, it's become really clear to me that I think, I think my, the center of the center for me is writing. Like, I, I think that's really what I love. I mean, I love performing. Um, but I believe like writing is kind of really, really the engine of the thing. And so part of the, the, um, trips to LA, um, has been a general attempt to try to make relationships and see if I can figure out what it would mean to be like writing with people, writing for people, um, having a more writing centered, um, career that could maybe come with some, you know, more licensing opportunity potentially, or like building the, like maybe leaning on just the writing piece compared to like writing and then having to get out and play it everywhere to make your money sort of thing. Right. Um, I still don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's going to work or not, you know, but, but, um, but I recognize it's like, it's like, it, it resonates kind of with where my, my kind of goals are and kind of my just natural, like where the real energy is it in it for me is, um, right now anyway. So. And I assume that lens, itself towards more collaboration it seems like you've been doing more collaborative stuff yeah yep and especially kind of as this like the kind of writing piece has really like wanting to develop the writing piece explicitly has been um kind of clarified for me a, a big piece of that is like the excitement about um doing more collaborating and co-writing um uh to kind of see how that goes, like see if I have the the stuff for that, um, which so far it's been really fun. Um, and then also just having like this kind of broader kind of um, uh, artistic ecosystem where I have my, you know, my J.E. Sunday music or whatever, my J.E. Sunday records that I can kind of be as, you know, I can paint the whole canvas, you know, mm -hmm, as mm -hmm. it were, if I want to. Um but then have another segment of my work where it's like, I'm going into it knowing it's explicitly collaborative. And then with that, I think having more flexibility and, and more, more of a consensus attitude around like coming to a final product with whatever, you know, writing a song and, and how it shapes, how it shakes out with, with the other person who's doing it or other people who are doing it. Um, and I found if I've had those kind of, I make those distinctions, it's like, it's a lot, um, easier for me to go into the collaborative work with just a really open, you know, pretty open hand. Yeah. Were you collaborating a lot when you were younger? 
You know, I was, but it was with a very, so I played in a band called the Daredevil Christopher Wright for mm-hmm. better part of a decade. Um, my brother, Jason was in that band and our very, um, best friend, Jesse, um, Edgington was in the band. So it was the three of us. Um, and it was a pretty, we kind of set it up. Like I was the primary songwriter. Um, Jason did some, some songwriting as well. Um, but then we kind of, we built it kind of from the beginning to be democratic after that point where like everybody had the right to kind of, you know, tear things down to the studs sort of thing. Um, and we had to kind of come to a final thing that we all agreed to for it to be done sort of thing. And so in that sense, it was very collaborative. Um, and when that was working, it was, it was great. You know, you create things, you know, greater than the sum of your parts kind of deal. But as we got later in our, um, time working together and eventually like we made our last record and we're touring it, but it was kind of writing on the, was on the wall that after the touring was done, we'd kind of hang it up. Um, the challenge with that collaboration was like, if not, if some, if any one of us didn't really want to be writing, like it just wouldn't happen. And so there was like a year and a half where we just didn't really write. I was like writing on my own, but felt really kind of shackled because um, I couldn't finish anything, right. you know, outside of the collaborative thing. So then shifting to my solo stuff, it was really pretty creatively rejuvenating to finally be in a situation where like I was the only one who had to say, who, you know, put say it was done and when it was done, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so I kind of lived in that zone, like pretty happily for, for a number of years. Um, and, and am enjoying kind of, and realizing that, that, that's, that's something I need to have some part of my, like I say, creative ecosystem is a space where I can just like fully express my own prerogatives, um, and sensibilities, but have kind of come around and I'm wanting to embrace more collaborative work too, um, as a part of the picture. Yeah. In respect to that ecosystem, I think it viewed from a certain perspective, it becomes obvious that you can't just speak to yourself all day. Right. You know, that there, it's healthy to start to collaborate. I find in the thirties, it comes pretty naturally mm-hmm. and you learn a lot about yourself through that process. I don't know how I would totally. have matured without, I don't think I could have matured, uh, continuing to just make work on my own. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's, uh, you can separate those things, especially because it's what you spend most of your time doing. Totally. Totally. I mean, I think it, it like, it is, a. it's just like, even in like practical sense, it's just like being forced to, you know, you just fall into your little patterns and your like knee jerk kind of, uh, solutions for things that just like having another eye on it suddenly like one reveals all those things to you, you know, and then just offers like, well, that's not the way it needs to be, you know? Um, and then for instance, like one of the exciting collaborations right now has been, um, you know, doing some work with Dory. Um, and we did a project where it was kind of the first time, like I gave him a number of tunes that I had written and then he kind of just arranged them, you know? Um, and, and I'd kind of gone into that, like being like, I mean, I love what Dory does and, um, so I'm just going to like, kind of really be like, really trust him with that and not try to really be meticulous or nitpicky at all with it. And, and it just turned out really awesome. Like, um, you know, he invited me to do some revising on his stuff, but when I heard what he had made, I was just like, yeah, I don't know. This seems pretty awesome. <laughs> so, um, and so that was like, 
and it like totally, I mean, he's capable of doing things that, you know, at this point, not in the, you know, are, are just things I can't do. And so it was just a really beautiful, like, kind of right, to hear right. what's possible with this thing. That is a huge, lines. huge admission at a certain age, just like you were saying when you're young, like for instance, the analogy for a young artist is they think they have to be Picasso and known around the world and in museums. Yeah. And then yeah, yeah. you start to realize well, whether it's realistic or not, is it's not even the concern for me. It was more like, do you even want to be working in that mode right. that gets you there? Totally. And yeah. I don't know if it's coward. I'm always open to the idea that it's cowardice, the path I took. <laughs> because, <laughs> you know, I think for a while, uh, I thought something was interesting about the void and obscurity and making obscure, abstract work. Yeah. And then something became appealing about kind of objectively failing by more shallow metrics um, huh. and Tell taking me, say, those seriously. Say, say more about that. What's the, what's, <laughs> what's the shallow metrics? Well, if we use the really shallow metrics, you might say like, I mean, this was a while back for me, but like likes on Tumblr ah, or, totally, totally. or, and this isn't very shallow, but maybe my family getting it. My family aren't artists or my mm. mom getting it. I used to think my mom liking something I made was a bad thing. And now okay, I, sure. <laughs> it's a ridiculous yeah. mentality, but I think I know why I, I thought that way. And I was mean, it, I live in a suburb. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, was it like how much of your relationship with that? I definitely have an like sense of this in myself is like, I feel like the, like the vision of being Picasso and being in galleries and being known worldwide is also just kind of like romanced by the aesthetic of these people and the mythology of these people, you know, that we admire or see, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like and so you a, kind of soak up like yeah, along yeah, with yeah. that ad ad admiration, like comes like, like assumptions that you don't even realize you've taken on. <laughs> thing. I don't know. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, and maybe uh, part of it being like, well, my mom doesn't know art, so she can't be, you know, right, right. stuff too. I mean, speaking of the shallowness of that, I don't know, being the person I am, which is just like a, not really, I'm not a hedonist. I'm bound pretty strictly by Christian morality, even if I don't want to be at times. Uh, and then seeing these people who are just complete messes, mm. you know, even Van Gogh was like really appealing to me. Sure. And it got me into some weird situations, especially in California where I was like getting too close as an observer to just like very weird drug dens. And, mm. you know, I, it was very weird. Like it was anthropological. It was like huh. studying a thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then I really had to have it driven home. Cause I've been fortunate to live a good life where like, Oh, that's what a heroin addict looks like. And that's what it looks like when someone almost dies from alcohol withdrawal. And mm -hmm. that's how people behave. You know, some people don't yeah. have the benefit of having to study that. They just have it foisted upon themselves. Totally. But, um, that, you know, coming to terms with one squareness, is is uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is uh, important i love it yeah took me many years yeah um yeah totally i i feel similarly I, it makes me think i've had this thought recently where there's this uh this phrase came into my mind where i was like um you know starving artists are just starving 
you know, Mm -hmm. this idea that like, there's not a particular kind of depression that is artistic depression. It's just Mm -hmm. depression, you know? And so it's like, like trying to really, like, I get the romance of like the, the desperate artist who's making brilliant work or whatever. That's had a pull on me, but like, similarly, I've been too like square to like really explore (laughs) like in depth, some of those kind of things, you know? Um, and yeah, later yeah. I've be- it's become clear to me like it, you know just the weird romance and then like with that probably a byproduct of not truly honoring like the like I don't think it's worth the human life to make good art. You mean your own life? Yeah. And well first uh, you of know, all one's own like, life is not an vacuum so Yeah, you know yeah. and like you know these guys that we or women that we admire who like had you know tragic lives and I think part of, it's it's, it's easy for us to kind of, um, you know, within a kind of narrative structure, that's just, it all sounds so romantic, you know, but it's like, I think I'd rather have them here. I don't know. Or that's the position I'm trying to take, you know, where I'm like, I'd rather be healthy, you know, furthermore, (laughs) I don't, they weren't performing. And that's the problem is like, Yeah, 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 there's a performative aspect to, to all of that, where like, we look to the past, and look at someone else's pain. And it's very weird to put that on as a mask or as like a hat, mm-hmm. as a costume. Yeah. But when you're young, it's, you got to look towards something, someone. Yeah, for and, sure. And, uh, yeah, it's funny when it just doesn't really fit your persona yeah. when you're not, again, he, the hedonism of the, the, the stereotype of at least that particular type of artist. Yeah, I guess it's like post French Revolution, where it's all about the self and mm-hmm. personal expression. I really don't know how you can be mature in that mode. You know, having run a gallery, it's interesting to see what a professional artist looks like—a mature artist, because mm. um, they seem at odds. You know, there's that idea that you you have to preserve your childlike quality, and it's right. confl- it's conflated with just being a a petulant child sometimes. <laughs> right. That's a so, good way to put it. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I think there is a different thing going on as I think about having children. It's like, because a lot of people think that's like a death knell for an artist. You know, if you have the child, mm. then it's over. Yeah. And in some ways it's interesting because you can't be only selfish and be a parent. Yeah. Or you shouldn't be. And it only sounds like a problem if you believe being an artist requires being only selfish in the process of making. And I don't know if I'm being convenient, but I don't think it has to be like that. Oh, I definitely don't. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think so. I mean, the practical challenges are there when you add that responsibility to your life, you know, of time and of course, you know, energy and all that kind of stuff. But I don't think I, I, art is too big the creative impulse is too big um to be yeah constrained to this like weird little uh yeah uh mode that i think i think some of the people who kind of are like well you've reached this age and all the greats have made their great stuff by this age so you know anyone any one of the rules that want people want to put out there of like when when if you haven't done this or if you change your circumstance suddenly art's not going to be it just doesn't work anymore or something like that i just yeah i think the practicality well, yeah. might look different but i think i have to believe that uh 
And then you hear, like, it'll be interesting. I'll hear, like, writer, like, discussion with writers who will say, you know, it just, like, focused them once they had kids. And you yeah, you make yeah. it in the time you have. And for, for them to, from a certain perspective, it's beneficial. And then they would say, like, overall, like, perspective gain through parenting. And, you know, it all adds, it all, it all you know, uh, feeds the whole. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. What is your perspective? And you're, you said you're 38. Yep. What do you think it means to be mature or even what do you think it means to, to enter manhood as there's a couple of your tracks that, um, I feel like I don't care to dance makes mention of this and my Mm -hmm. attempts to grow a beard seem to be pretty overtly addressing something in that vein. Yeah. I think with those two songs, um, certainly, and I don't care to dance. There's a, I think I, I always felt a little bit at odds with, uh, with at least a particular brand of like masculinity and, and manhood or boyhood. Um, that, well, as a kid, I was, I was, I, I think I was always bent or at least like interested in a pretty like, you know, thoughtful and I guess, relatively speaking, kind of sensitive, um, kind of perspective. Um, but often the like model of boyhood that was like offered me was one of like, you know, like I grew up in, in church and they'd have like, let's do the boys, you know, weekend or something with the like kids in the church or something. And it'd be Mm -hmm. like, okay, so we're going to like find some stuff to burn Mm -hmm. and we're going to, you know, do the, this and that. And, and it was like, you know, I could do some of that and would have a fine enough time, but I always felt a little out of step with that. Like, like boys just want to rough house and play sports. And do you play sports? Do you value sports? I played sports because my community played them and I'm coordinated enough that I would be okay. But mm-hmm. I realized years later, like, I don't really like playing sports. <laughs> Interesting. All right. um, yeah, yeah, besides going. tennis, I love tennis and racket sports. So there you hmm. go. Those are, those are sports I legitimately enjoy playing, but, Interesting. but I played basketball for years. I ran track. I ran, um, you know, played some soccer and stuff. And I, it's not that I, I, I enjoyed them fine, but more so it was just to like, as a, to be with friends and being a social thing. Right. So um, tradition aside, uh, the traditional structures aside. Yeah. How do you know when you've gone from a boy to a man? Do you think? <laughs> that is a good question. And I, I don't think I know. I mean, <laughs> um, it's, you know, I mean, it's a strange thing. I've like, it's strange. Like I, I still have times definitely where, well, and okay. So I made a, a record recently, um, just finished. It's in the mastering process. And, and I realized the kind of central theme of the record is like the strangeness of adulthood, strangeness mm-hmm. and surprise of adulthood. Basically looking at, you know, I don't know. For instance, when I graduated college um, and suddenly was like, okay, now find a job. And I was like, wait a minute, what? (laughs) Like I had this total assumption coming out of school, which I assume many people do, where it's like, um, I one thought after I was done with 12 years of education or whatever, it was leading to me just somehow having all the money I needed and just being happy right like 
and that's as far as like, it was like a, it was like a, you know, subconscious thing that I just accumulated. And suddenly I was thrust into a space where it's like, okay, now figure out what to do. And realizing like, wait a minute, this is not what I, this is not at all the picture of adulthood I was expecting. And so things like that, like as years went by and just being, you know, um, just contending with like, um, I don't know, rest. I mean, uh, well, a bunch of it is, is like, um, uh, you know, wrestling with the tenets of like what our culture has told us makes us is going to make you happy and fulfilled. And then kind of having some of those things or not having them and just recognizing that some of the like assumptions I've made around that stuff just don't hold water, you know, Yeah. Um, and being challenged to then like grow in that. And so that's all to say that like, I think there's still parts of myself where I'm like, I feel like this, can't, I mean, I'm objectively an adult you know, 38 years old. You mean like um, statistically? In I'm a statistically sense. an adult. Yeah. 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 But I mean, almost in a spiritual sense. Yeah. Well, but there's definitely parts of me where, where my picture of my, my assumption about how that would feel on the inside. Um, and now that I'm at the eight, like as a younger person being like, you know, if I would have conceived of myself 38 and where they're like, okay, how are you going to, how do you think you'll feel on the inside? Right. Um, just feel, it just, it doesn't line up necessarily, hmm. you know, um, in a way that I think I'm becoming more, I think kind of the mystery and the, like the sense of like, um, like maturation is a continual process. I don't think there's a arrival. Hmm. Like when I talk to, when I talk to, you know, you know, adults, (laughs) like I really respect my parents. I find them to be very wise people and they're in their seventies now. And there is an aspect where they're just like, you know, we are just, we, you just kind of keep winging it. I mean, you learn some stuff, <laughs> you know, and you certainly grow and perspectives change and some of the like central burdens or preoccupations, um, when you're younger kind of fall away or, um, or you deepen such that like, uh, you achieve them and they are held in healthier place, um, kind of change. But there's like my sense from, older folks that I respect is that there's life is just a perpetual, like maturing. Um, uh, and most of the time, like given presented with the responsibilities like that are traditionally adult, like being a parent or I don't know, owning a home or trying to manage your career. Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of that, that you're just like, well, we'll try this, you know? Right. Um, and a lot of, a lot of people just like, I mean, you're, uh, you kind of, my aunt Char would say you walk in the light that you have. Like, like, I think I also had this picture of adulthood where it was like, you kind of, you kind of eventually when you mature to an adult place, you kind of see the whole board and then you make your plans accordingly from that vantage point of like awareness. Yeah. And more and more, I realized like, no, you never really see the whole board, you know? Um, and so to me then like part of that maturation is, is like, I guess adjusting the paradigm and adjusting the expectation of a sense of like complete competence. 
um, and a sense that you're going to be able to control the outcomes of your future, um, uh, at least in a, you know, kind of complete way. And, uh, and then working, I mean, for me, like from a spiritual perspective, it's like, like I trust, uh, I trust working to trust that there's, um, you know, in relationship with people in my life and the communities and a spiritual relationship that like, um, that, you know, I can work to kind of, uh, grow and adjust and learn and be helped and like lean on people when I need to and help, you know, allow others to lean on me when they need to kind of thing. And in, in some kind of kind of combination of all those things, that is what maturing an adulthood truly looks like. Um, you know, and that goes, that just keeps, keeps going. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. yeah. If that makes sense, it's kind of a jumble of words there. Well, what I'm hearing is it's a process of faith and confidence, not a kind of controlled understanding or pro like prophetic way of seeing your outcome. Yeah. It's more just taking one step at a time. What shocks me so. about older generations is like, I just read the Hobbit for the first time, despite Lord read Lord reading Lord of the Rings when I was younger. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I just didn't read the Hobbit. And there, it's so obvious that that's like, that's what it really looks like. You know, Bilbo is just trying to chill at his house mm. and he certainly doesn't want to leave. And then all this bullshit comes at his door and whatever yeah. it is like spurs him on. He keeps doing it. And mm -hmm. I think what's tricky with our generation is we have the illusion that we can really plan the future. And we yeah. get like flustered when we can't because right. I don't think we've been thrown. I mean, we've been thrown things yeah, and we've all been thrown different things, but nine 11 and COVID are not world war one and two, or I even like cold war level uh, things. Mm -hmm. And when I think about the prior generations, I'm just shocked at how much more their life looks like Bilbo's, mm. uh, including my, my um, grandparents from italy than like yeah. my mine does you know mine may very well end up looking <laughs> like this because i don't think you can control that for very long yeah but even at my age i'm just shocked you know like children are a part of that you know they're right obviously children and i think about this quite a bit are not part of the hero's journey ever in fact hmm. uh, they might be the product of the hero's journey in the end you know mm -hmm. the there's some union and then it's almost like now you write the story child or, <laughs> or Frodo yeah, and yeah. something very beauty, uh, beauty, beautiful about that kind of like handoff. It's not necessarily saying like, Oh, my life's over. Cause I just give up, but it, it's an admission about how a flower grows and dies and has its moment of beauty. And it doesn't just try to keep, looking like that one phase you know yeah yeah totally and i think i think the like adjusted yeah the people that i admire who seem to age gracefully in my life um i don't know are just yeah i think are like i don't know i I think about my dad who I find to be a very wise man. And I think it's just like he, he's maintained a level of surprise and kind of a diligent level of 
a diligence, uh, like working to be grateful mm-hmm. and live life in collaboration with his family and others. And like, like that is kind of the baseline. And so <laughs> I think yeah. his, his life just, he kind of surrendered. I mean, he's definitely had stresses and <laughs> like all of us and, and really challenging times. But like, I think that the fruit of that has been like, well, you just don't know. And likely the outcome that ends up being the thing with how you like live your life and uh, take care of your family and um, is going to surprise you. <laughs> you <Right. know? laughs> and hopefully it's going to, it's going to look probably a lot different than, than the kind of meticulous strategy you thought you had. Um, and, and then, and like, um, and what is required um, to find that, that piece like yeah like surrendering like i think from a certain vantage point it's like looks like well i need to be 25 i need to have this happen by 25 or at least like cling to the vestige of 25 to be a a successful artist and now at 38 it's like am i beyond you know that opportunity but it's just like well this is where i am and so i'm going to make from here and i don't know i don't know (laughs) i I think it feels great i i think ultimately i've become um, yeah, I trust that that I, I am, dil- I am confident that like whatever art is, regardless of like, I, you know, I can't manage what success looks like or how, how I'm supposed to get paid from this thing exactly. But, but I, I can say that I'm so confident that like following art, making art through your life is just so valuable, you know, <laughs> and releasing releasing some of the weird expectations that kind of accumulate um, uh, and just kind of pursuing if you still have the pull to make, to keep making and trust that more than some kind of like strategy you've kind of cooked up. Yeah. I suppose strategy is, is hubris in some ways. I'm a diligent planner of life, but uh, my car does have written on it. A man proposes, God disposes because. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think there's space for it, you know? I mean, I, I think that it's, that's all held within, like, I think part of our, you know, you gotta, you gotta kind of like choose the the path you're on. I wrote a song called blind, blind curve where the mm-hmm. chorus goes, I'm betting on a blind curve. Um, yeah. So it's like, you're picking your road, you know, and you're being responsible to what you can kind of conceive of and inevitably you have to like, well, I'll try this plan, you know, but I, I admire the folks who can like be diligent in that work and take on those responsibilities, but then not let the outcome of that plan, um, hold so much weight in their life that, uh, that like they're, 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 they're wanting the fruit of that plan to be the thing that justifies their sense of value, you know, or worth or something like that. Yeah, it's always interested me that the the notion of bearing a cross mm. sounds tremendously heavy, but if if it feels heavy and if it's done in a heavy way, it kind of defeats the purpose. Mm. You know, if you are just salty about those those uh, unforeseen things yeah. or trying to prove your strength by having carried it, it defeats. Yeah, it's just counterproductive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it seems like love is um, obviously central to your work, mm-hmm. and yeah, tell me about love. <laughs> yeah, 
Well, it's it's interesting. I had a friend. She's a she's a painter, and she was talking about some. I can't remember who the. There's like a art critic or art thinker, art essayist kind of, maybe an artist who just does thinking on art or whatever. But anyway, she she said that this person, you know, posed this idea that like every artist is like you know trying to answer one question or something like that. You know, one of these kind of sure, sure, lovely. Yeah, I love yeah, that kind of thing. Like um, statements that you hear and. Uh, um, or, you know, more broadly, like what's the, what's the primary theme or whatever. But I like the, I like the framework of just trying to answer one question. Um, even though this, my answer to that doesn't really fit into like an answer of a question, but like, so she is asked like, what's your theme? What's, what do you think you're like a central thing that you keep doing? And for me, I think part of an answer to that maybe, um, is I think, I, I think I'm trying to write music for lonely people. Um, and would that be all people or no i'd like to think so i'd like to say it's pretty open yeah um, so i just i'm just curious because like there's two conceptions i can immediately see where you think of a lonely person mm. and they are literally so or mm. you think of the spiritual fact that you are mm. alone mm-hmm. so everyone would be alone but they would they would feel different, I would think. You know. Yeah, I I do think it's it's both the literal kind of way that we would frame lo- like loneliness, um, but also like a spiritual loneliness. Like I, I think hum- I think all people are have have to contend with loneliness in some way. You know, be that spiritual, occupational, <laughs> relational. Um, is this because you are alone? Do you identify as a lonely person? I have at times in my life, which is interesting because I, I'm also a person who has, I think, pretty robust, like family relationships and friend relationships that are very deep. Um, and you know, like I, you know, you hear these statistics of where we're at right now with like, you know, 60% of adult men say they don't have a single person who like knows them well you know <laughs> some of these like sure they just cooking them up yeah yeah like these yeah. crazy things yeah um whether you can like yeah how how that number comes about but like regardless <laughs> i do think this notion of like loneliness as like a societal reality is is really there so however you want to do that by those sure, metrics, sure. like like i have i'm pretty rich in like deep relationships um um but even so i have felt like within that, like a sense of loneliness, C- certainly for me, like romantic, like love has been a real challenge. I, I kind of have dealt with a lot of anxiety around there that you know, brought me to counseling and was been a like kind of center, central part of like what I've processed over these last number of years. And I'm happy to say I'm feeling more equipped in that. But um, so definitely like loneliness within the, within the kind of realm of romantic love has been an experience I've definitely had. Um, and because some of the anxiety stuff I was dealing with this kind of further sense of like loneliness where it's like, am I even capable of it? You know, which, you know, I think whether you, I mean, is not a, yeah, unique to me, that kind of, well, it's whatever your struggle is then, you know, expound, expanding on that to be like, well, maybe I'm just not built for this, this thing I really want, but just hasn't happened and struggle with it. So 
No, you must be. Maybe it's just not. And so like the fruit of that is like, it's just very lonely. (laughs) It's a very lonely feeling. Hmm. Um, uh, And then people, you know, I think loneliness within a sense of like, you know, I observe, have felt in myself too, like the loneliness that's the fruit of like trying to, like for me, like make being good at writing songs, like justify me, (laughs) you know, justify my worth. Um, Do you mean that? Yeah. What does that mean to you? Justifying your worth? I guess in like a, you know, I'm a person who believes I mean, from my spiritual perspective, which is like a Christian background is like, uh, I'm compelled, even though I struggle to like wrap my head around this or live it consistently. But with this notion that like, I think everybody's of infinite worth, um, based on like a kind of idea of the origins of things where, you know, God created human beings and endowed them with worth. So it's like separate from our making ourselves worthwhile that our worth, like our, our worth is grounded in something separate from our production, you know, produ- productivity or, you know, moral, um, perfection, um, or any of these things, even though I think within that framework, like grounded from a place of worthiness, like I think the fruits of that are often, you know, productivity in a certain sense and right, yeah, because a moral life and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. My perspective um, shifted yeah. dramatically when understanding that I was in, I was indebted mm. and that if I was given a certain, cause it's, there's no doubt I was given a certain skill set yeah. uh, that I then worked upon. And so yeah. I was obligated to one, use it to the best of its abilities, use it for the right reasons as well. I don't know if I always did that, um, yeah. but yeah, it's, it's an interesting I don't, I don't know that I, it's funny. Like you have intrinsic worth. I'm talking about via Christianity, mm-hmm. but, but you are also known through your deeds and sure. Um, but when I was younger, I was just like, I wanted attention yeah, from, pe- totally. from people. Right. It's quite different. Right, right, right. For sure. And there's a sense of like, at least temporary, but like very desirable worth that you feel to achieve when you get that attention, you know? Um, and so, I've certainly had that, you know, where it's like, wow, if somebody thinks I'm good at writing songs, that feels pretty awesome. And when I'm feeling like I'm struggling with more like deep intimacies, like, you know, finding a partner or struggling with friends, there's a certain allure to like a really superficial kind of appreciation that comes from just somebody like really admiring your work. And that's not necessarily superficial, but it's just like the nature of our relationship is more shallow, obviously by just somebody on the internet being like, wow, you're awesome. You know? Right, right, right. And so I think coming to that realization where it was like, man, if I'm, I'm looking for my, a sense of like well-being and acceptance and contentment um, based on somebody on the internet telling me I'm awesome. Like that's, that's just, it's not, you know, it's Snickers bars, you know, <laughs> in terms of energy, it's like, I'm, I'm, it's not a meal, you know? And so, and then coming to that realization too, is like, like the fruit of that is often a sense of, I, I don't know, you could argue saying like loneliness or at least like disillusionment or something like that. And so anyway, that's all to say like all those things, those flavors of loneliness or if, if you want to use that word or, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's the thrust of the I, work. I feel like I feel like that's been a pretty central 
um, arena that like the, the work kind of comes out of. And, and in that, then just having a lot of sympathy for, you know, seeing people like trying to figure it out, um, seeing people who are like desperately trying to, um, you know, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah. Find that connection in ways that maybe aren't like super helpful or something. I, I feel like our generation, you know, we, you know, social media and any number of things that we've kind of been, has been offered to us as this like mode of connection and now how we've like blown it up into this, like every individual is a brand <laughs> just sets up, sets us up for a very like lonely and rude awakening. Um, when those things, if not held in like a good relationship kind of, you know, inevitably proved to not be as satisfying as they like market themselves to be, you know? Yeah. Um, it's a world of appearance one yeah. and not one of being. And then yeah. when, when you're called upon to be, whether in a real relationship or in any other way, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have trouble and totally. it's, it's deeply disturbing. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, many things have been said about it. It's all very obvious, I suppose, but yeah, I don't see what can, and even the idea of being seen by God in a way. Mm. Um, I always found it funny, you know, even from the very crude perspective of like going to Catholic school and then uh, discovering masturbation and then thinking mm. about being watched by my, by God or by <laughs> dead grandparents. There's something, uh, <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. something, I kind of, uh, there's something to that actually, uh, this like ancestral witness to your, hmm. your moral behavior. Yeah. Well, and I mean, there's a lot of traditions in the world, you know, religiously, spiritually speaking that make way more, uh, of like the kind of place of ancestral kind of witness, <laughs> you know, yeah, 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 100%. some of those things are more like, like literal kind of sense in that regard. And, the only yeah. reason I mentioned that it's like the difference between being seen by those supposedly unreal things. And then mm, yeah. this, uh, network of appearance that yeah. I, I have a hard time seeing it as a net positive, even though I try to use it. I, for, I, for yeah, I really I really do too. I mean, I, yeah, I use it to some degree, but I, I think I've, I've come to a kind of resolution where I'm like, I'm just not, I can't look to that to, if, if there's a way that this is going to break through to more people, sorry, it's just not going to be this way. <laughs> yeah. Cause I just, I can't, I can't manage. I, I don't agree with managing myself in that way, you know, image wise. Um, but anyway, you know, I just sense, I, I sense whether one would put it at, like in the language of loneliness or not, um, some kind of existential longing, um, you know, that, um, maybe rhymes with loneliness or, or, uh, <laughs> resonates with it or the Venn diagrams cross. I just, I have a lot of sympathy for that and have to contend with that a lot in, in my, in my life. And so, um, so I want to write music for folks who are likewise kind of, whether they're fully aware of it or not kind of struggling in the trenches of that. Um, and part of the like songwriter piece of it is like to try to articulate that well. Um, and then offer kind of that articulation to folks so they can be like, Oh yeah, that's, I've never, <laughs> never had words to say what it is I'm feeling, but that's, that's not seems that is familiar to me. Right. You know? So, 
Yeah. Can you speak to the evolution? You have three albums. They mm-hmm. each came out three years apart. So next year you're going to put one out. Is that right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you're very consistent in that respect. But <laughs> I know uh, <laughs> I know real design, but it seems to be shaken out that way. In um like content wise, you know, how do you feel? I mean, the first thing that stands out to me, right? I I like to look visually at the Mm -hmm. way the albums are laid out. So your face is on the first two albums. Yeah. I like now I feel adored a lot. We've talked about how funny I think that cover is. (laughs) Um, And then you went with a more of a cartoonish image. What do you think that's, there's any, that means anything? I don't like originally the, the part of having my face on the covers initially, my thought was like, okay, I'm gonna have my face on all the covers. Um, cause I like the idea of having this like little, uh, you know, um, uh, archive of images showing myself age right, <laughs> on right. the cover of things. Um, and then was kind of, it was the fruit of the, or the, the most recent cover was, uh, Hey there. One second. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't stay inside. Oh, I'm almost done. Almost. <sighs> Sorry. We got it. <laughs> I'm helping look at. I like your pumpkin suit. I'm going to help look after uh, me and a friend are helping watch some uh, our friend's kids for a little bit here. One of them is in a pumpkin suit and uh, was just checking in on me. Right. Um, <laughs> the the cover for the most recent one was kind of um the kind of fruit of i'm working with a french label and they uh they were wanting a just a something that was different than the average cover <laughs> and right. uh so we connected with this french illustrator hugo Bien- bienvenue um to do it and he kind of i realized with like art direction on my albums is like i'm a person who i need like i have an aesthetic opinion, but I need somebody to kind of, you know, create something within a framework that I can then respond to and help like, um, kind of right. shape within the conversation. And, uh, I would say with the last one, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased with what it is and it's fine, but there wasn't much room for like that conversation. So I'm looking forward to the next one to kind of be, it, it taught me that. And for any number of reasons, we were kind of in time crunch and stuff. It kind of got to a place where it was just like, Oh, okay. We'll just do it. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, but like, I think I do really still like the notion of like having a little, uh, photographic evidence of myself aging on my album covers. So I think we're going to try to reincorporate that on this next one. Yeah. I love looking at Paul Simon album <laughs> yeah. covers, just seeing him yeah. look ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Mustache here. Right. It's great. It's great. But, um, you seem to be someone more preoccupied with beauty Mm. um, because that's rarer and rarer, but that's what I respect about Mm. the music. Yeah, that's true. I mean, what do you think? How do you feel about beauty? I think I do. I think I've come to realize that my, just what I naturally resonate with, you know, musically for instance is i i really do love kind of beautiful things i mean i i have a taste for stuff that you know is arguably more you know jagged or heavier rock and roll you know that it's not that i can't appreciate that stuff but the stuff i could perpetually kind of go back to and like most resonates with just my temperament 
um, has been an aspect of to it of it that I think you could say like leans more into kind of sonic beauty or yeah, beautiful in a more traditional sense. I mean, I think some of those raw things are beauty, beautiful too in their way. Um, but in a like, yeah, maybe more traditional sense or something. I don't know. Yeah, um, that's, that's the sense I get. That's what I like about it. So, yeah, I think I certainly language wise. I mean, one of the things I love is about the sixties and seventies, like songwriters, like, Paul Simon's work and others was like, there was just an ambition around the language, like a more explicitly poetic ambition hmm. um, in some ways, I think where like kind of language could be ornamented and you could use words that just are like slightly atypical. you know, you can use flowery language or whatever that I think, you know, I understand like whatever stuff that came after punk rock and any number of things like was responding to like it gotten, bloated and too big or whatever um and or a certain kind of folk aesthetic that's much more like vernacular and like straight ahead kind of thing um but i like the idea of reclaiming that like well if i'm pulled to a a space of beauty and a little bit more like kind of ornamented thing i just have have kind of worked to trust trust that feeling and and kind of create create from that yeah. Yeah. Do you think your work's about uh, innovation or resurrection of certain values or reclaiming of certain values? When you when mm. you think of the mission, how important is? Mm. Yeah. Like, how, mm-hmm. do you think about innovation a lot? Are you concerned about that? It's interesting. At the end of so, when I was playing in the Daredevil, Christopher Wright, we had a pretty explicit. We fancied ourselves as, I mean, our, the people we really loved were like leaned in the more kind of, um, uh, you know, esoteric kind of space, like, mm-hmm. um, or really, I don't know, that's, that's too broad, but we really admired the people who were doing weird, weird stuff, you know? Um, and so we had a real <laughs> kind of value where it was like, I mean, to the point where we were like, um, trying to, trying to honor that, that interest where we would be like, we'd be play, writing these songs and there'd be some part that would be like a little bit more ca- conventionally like feel goody, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it hits a groove and it just feels good. And we were explicit and be like, oh, it feels too good. We can only do that once. Right. That's like my mom liking it metric. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We know? don't want to make the people feel good. Right. Right. God right. 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 Totally. Um, so I kind of tried it in there and eventually it was like kind of chafed pretty strongly against that attitude ultimately. Cause the truth is like, it's not that you're creating something so original. It's just like, you're referencing more esoteric artists, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's not like we're reinventing the wheel. We're inspired by people that are just more obscure than the people that, you know, <laughs> or you might also be manifesting what I would call like a perversion or idiosyncrasy mm-hmm. and, and mistaking that for, something of value or your totally. personality like and strange strangeness just as depth you know exactly and um, yeah or as um novelty because you can't execute traditionally difficult things to to build sure. upon yeah, i've certainly totally. dabbled in in these things totally. and totally that's and a I part think, of maturity that I, yeah that's true of one's personality like uh, yeah I, I have a lot of sympathy for it ultimately where i'm like yeah it's just kind of i learned a ton and that's kind of the path we were on you know Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I definitely kind of coming out of that, 
was like, okay, I'm like, when I started doing my own solo records, I was like, I don't care about originality. It's like, I'm just going to work to trust that like by virtue of it coming through me, hopefully there'll be some spark of like, you know, that's particular enough to like maybe be arguably a little original, but, but I want to, but more so it was like, rather than like, I love the idea of like, okay, I'm going to work, you know, in a more vernacular form musically, like not be afraid of like having, you know, sounds or, or grooves that like are pretty immediately recognizable to people, you know, drawing mm-hmm. from that common, la- common language of music, um, history or whatever, uh, folk and rock history, I guess. Um, but then try to like, just, you know, skew the picture to the left a little bit, you know, like, like season it with some oddity or, or asking a bit more of the form or, you know, or, or harmonic range that just isn't usually paired with this kind of rock groove or something rather than, right. um, rather than like thinking I have to, the whole thing has to be this new thing. And, and since then I've, I've kind of really pretty relied on that. Like just trusting that my sensibility and voice will kind of lead to what it is. And, um, and trusting if it feels good, that that's okay. And, uh, and then I don't know, just offering up the result without, uh, without really thinking about, yeah, innovation per se, or even tradition per se, you know, um, in, in a sense. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, that's the irony is that usually where the, that's where the innovation comes from is, yeah. is that, uh, lack of awareness of trying to be innovative i think yeah and also just i think of music and art i try to and anything nations whatever uh ideologies i like to Mm -hmm. imagine them as a a person i would meet Mm. and you could be like an obnoxious punk with a giant mohawk (laughs) or you could have a subtle flair to your reading glasses and that sounds like (laughs) yeah where you would, uh, that's what you're going for. Yeah. I'm a bit more in that zone. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. For sure. But maybe in the past that was, it was the other way. I was trying to be, I was certain, I certainly admired the explicit and more extreme, uh, eccentric characters. And I think like we've said earlier, I just kind of, I realized like there's aspects of myself that resonate and are genuinely that, but other parts that I kind of have put down and be like, well, um, I'm more square than some of it, you know, <laughs> than, than some of these characters that I admired and that's okay. I'll find it in my way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Speaking of that squareness, um, at least two of your songs mention never doing drugs. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm taking that literally, but I find, yeah. I think it's an interesting, well, I guess this other song is kind of implying you, you did then do drugs, but um, I could be reading it wrong, but I mean, you don't have to answer. It's a personal question, but <laughs> what do you, th- what, I mean, what is your experience with that? I, like I said, like I, yeah, I don't do drugs. Um, but I was like very interested in them. I, I'm still interested in them from like a conceptual yeah. perspective. And I would always been attracted to when I was younger, I always wanted to hang it. Like people who did drugs, I could connect with really mm. quickly, easily. Yeah. Like we were already on the same wavelength. Um, 
So yeah. what's your, what's your experience with that? Yeah. We had a good friend of ours who we really admire in music. And when we were playing him daredevil records, the a former band, he was like, mm-hmm. you know, it's so funny that you guys don't do drugs. Cause this is like really good drug music, <laughs> which I <laughs> yeah, found I, I was very like thing. proud yeah. of or something. Like that, you know? I get annoyed by that. Um, I think I probably would be more annoyed now, yeah. but at the time I was like, Oh yeah. Again, I like want to, I want to kind of play in the world of like, you know that stuff but i was too square to do that so yeah with drugs like i mean i definitely came from a place where like i was a pretty legalistic kid even around alcohol i mean i didn't drink until i was 21 yeah um right you know all this kind of stuff um yeah. and so and so that gets pretty deep like i have since like you know smoked some pot and stuff like that and but mm-hmm. um you know and certainly have a lot of friends who experiment with more than that and and uh you know the whole rise of the like you know, the, the critical mass, like people who are now like exploring psychedelics and all that kind of stuff is certainly a conversation in various communities that I'm part of, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but I don't know. So far I'm, I'm a pretty, I feel pretty okay being pretty conservative around that in terms of my own use. Um, at this point, you know, like it, when I smoked pot, it was like a kind of big leap for me <laughs> to do right. that. I mean, I kind of came to a place where I was like, I just saw it, you know, it's, there's, essentially a cultural like pretty arbitrary cultural decision to say this substance is in many in in some cases anyway where it's like this substance alcohol is okay go ahead and do it um this substance marijuana is bad you don't you can't never do that you know that kind of stuff and so you know in my own kind of relationship to it kind of came to a place where i was like okay that doesn't make a lot of sense to me so but um but yeah the it's I, I think with some of the songs, like I, one thing I've recognized is like, you know, I have some friends who don't drink and I, it's interesting to observe how that's like a, you know, these weird um, kind of social shorthand that like, uh, you know, you're at a party or whatever and you're like, oh yeah, what are you drinking? And somebody's like, oh, I don't drink. And suddenly people are just like, don't know what to do with that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I always hated when it felt like any kind of art activity like that, um, or choosing not to was assumed to be, ju- be like mean that you'll judge those who do and, or like was also was put up kind of as a barrier for, you know, like entry, you know, um, which mostly at this point, I'm like, well, you do what you want to do. Um, I may or may not choose to do that, but, but I don't want anybody to feel like they have to drink so we can have a conversation, you know, or, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or like, or like, you know, but I also, I get this, like the social shorthand of like, I don't really smoke either, but sometimes I'll like puff on a cigarette because, you know, it's just easier when people are like, it's just like a neutral ground where you can kind of mm-hmm. <laughs> have a conversation. And I get that there's just some social stuff that that shakes out that way. But I suppose I ask because one, it's in the songs, but two, it's, what I like about the albums is, again, they celebrate a certain squareness yeah. un- unabashedly. Yeah. And, be- and beauty is square at this point. Um, beauty is square. Yeah. <laughs> I think, yeah. This is, is ridiculous. It's frankly. totally ridiculous. And I, and I think I've become more comfortable with just being sincere in that regard. Just being like, well, this is what I think. <laughs> and because because the, the, I think the thing that I've become really, really a, believer in is like if like i'm not so original that if i'm feeling like wow i like beautiful things but it's a little square 
like I'm not I'm not the only person who's feeling that way. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like um even if like there's a certain community that I admire who like at least the flavor of the moment is to say like it needs to be more disruptive or not, you know, dissonant or you know any number of things, you know. It's like I'm not so original that my 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 you know impulses are like the only I'm the only person who's feeling this way. So, yeah, trusting trusting that and being like, well, I think some people out there are thinking this. So, yeah, yeah, you know, that's Life how I felt them. when I first heard the first album, and uh, I suppose that speaks to a type of loneliness, mm-hmm. uh, even if it's a fragment of yeah. a personality. But yeah, I remember "Blinding Flash of Light" and "Easy Kid." Would that be mm-hmm. on the second one though? No, that's the same nope, album, that, right? That's the same album. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, those very those struck me as I don't know. They represented some shift that was occurring in me. Oh, um, cool. In in which I was coming to terms with some of those, especially blinding flash of light. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the only way I can call it is squareness. I mean, I just mm. like the visual. I like but, that. Yeah, totally. But, uh, totally. That's the funny thing is, in a sense, it's more punk rock that it was just. (laughs) uh, Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's just the pendulum swinging, right? You know, it's like, it's like inevitably the, uh, the reactionary individual expression becomes popular and then (laughs) you just regulate it and it's because the community. And so choosing the, the also opposite way suddenly becomes oddly, (laughs) you know, uh, whatever edgy from however you whether you can term squareness as edgy i don't know but you know that's quite odd when what edgy has i don't know how to word it we live in a weird time where like we do everything is inverted and Mm -hmm. traditionalism seems radical or just any traditional value yeah Uh, upholding it or living by it seems like uh, appalling yeah and uh, in respect to art, this is very interesting to me because it seems obvious, at least in visual art, that most contemporary art is just empty and vapid and a failure. And when removed from the apparatus of academia, mm. like I like the, the the mind game of stripping away all the cultural structure that holds anything up. And mm. it's kind of like the alien visiting idea sure. and seeing what holds uh what connects um, yeah that's why children are great honestly because oftentimes it cuts through that pretty quick but totally that's why i appreciate the focus on beauty and maintenance of that within the albums it's like yeah it's a good concern it's a lifelong concern yeah uh, i think so too i don't see that shifting i don't see that being fulfilled in the sense of like yeah. It's an infinite hunger. Right, right. My, I, I have a friend who said something to the effect that I've still thought about it is like about their art practice. It's just like, I need some beauty every day. Right. Um, and that was just like a really interesting, that just resonated pretty immediately with me, even though most of the time I don't think I explicitly conceive of a thing as as I'm making it necessarily as beautiful, even though that I think intuitively that's what I'm responding to, but, uh, but it was just neat. I didn't know something about the simplicity of that statement. And, uh, it was just like, wow. Yeah. I need beauty. I need some beauty every day. That's why I make art. 
Yeah, I think we have an, if it's economical, I don't think he means it literally, but like we fear that if we were to find something beautiful outside of art, we might stop making it. And at least when I go to Europe, I almost get that sensation that there's so much beauty culturally and naturally that mm. uh, I could imagine walking around feeling full mm-hmm. um, or having a family it's beautiful family and structure in place. I think there's a fear sometimes like, what if I don't need this thing as much as I thought I did? And what if my whole identity would collapse or, mm, or I would yeah. be judged for that yeah. uh, shift, yeah. <laughs> that shift that might even be called maturation. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah. I mean, I think I, I, I'd certainly get that. I mean, but also, I don't know. I don't know that I'd feel this confident in the midst of that experience, a particular experience of that. But it's like, like you said, I just don't think you, I don't think that's a well, that's a depth that you plumb. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, it's not economics. It's not like supply demand. It's, yeah, yeah. It's I, again, if it's a, it's an infinite indebtedness where it's just like, yeah, it's hard to even talk about. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think if some other things start feeding that or broadening your perspective of self in terms of like beauty of parenthood or beauty of things, it's probably, it's only additive, you know, um, and maybe some of the result is like, well, I'm not making as much art, but like, I think looking at it as a whole, a whole life, you know, it's like maybe worth the sacrifice of some of those, you know, some of that art for a, a broader more grounded and like kind of whole life of beauty, you know, or at least I'd like to think I could trust that. Um, if that is a circumstance I experience or feel and worry about. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll let you get back to the pumpkin child. All right. Sounds good, Michael. Yeah, good this is a great conversation, man. Thanks so much. Yeah. I appreciate you taking the time. It's been a while. Yeah, brother. Let's, uh, Let's connect uh, before, let's not let the same amount of time elapse before we connect again. Well, like I said, I got a venue over here, so yeah, I want to do a show. Dory's cool. coming through in December. Oh, great. But great, uh, great. we'll get something set up. Wonderful, man. Okay. Right. We'll Have talk a good soon. night. Bye. We're on a roll. Music by Dory Bavarsi and Mingja Chen. Next up is David Lauer. <laughs>